Welcome, everyone, to the L7C Podcast, My Hero Academia edition. It's been a little bit, but we are back talking some My Hero Academia. Season 6 has been well underway. And for those who have listened to us when we were doing Season 5, we would come back after every four episodes, give quick recaps, um, our thoughts on them, and then what we would predict what would happen in the next couple of episodes. So we're going to be talking about Season 6, Episode 1, 2, 3, and 4 that just concluded this past Saturday. So we have the My Hero Academia enthusiast with us, Miss Andrea Alaniz. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you doing, Martin? I am doing well. I am doing well. Are you ready to actually talk some My Hero Academia season Some six? new My Hero content for yeah. freaking sure. Oh, my goodness. So... Everyone who's listened to the My Hero stuff, the people who have listened to our anime previews, uh, you guys know that My Hero Academia, well, them and Spy Family were the two official animes that kicked off the biggest anime seasons of all time on October 1st, where the first episode of Quiet Beginning, Transcription, A Quiet Beginning came out. So we're going to talk about some of the stuff in the episode, some plot points, some key stuff. There are going to be spoilers. We're not going to go over every episode in complete, complete detail. So definitely check it out for some of the stuff that we don't talk about. So we encourage you to go watch it. So yeah, and even we- for the stuff we do include, even if we hit most everything, it's visually still stunning and so impactful. Like definitely go watch the episodes. All right. So let's talk about the first one, a quiet beginning. So Andrew, first episode, what were you thinking? What happened? Go from then. We'll go from first. There. First episode. Um, I know you had already told me that like they were getting right into it. They weren't really doing a recap. They did like a baby recap, but it was the same length as a normal like recap of the previous episode. Instead of making the whole episode a recap, which was oh my gosh, so great because we all have been anxiously awaiting what happens in this war. Like we we've been waiting for it. In the first episode, the war starts. Like it it kicks off with a bang. Just a side note about I I really enjoy the new opening. Um, I didn't I didn't expect the tone of the opening to be sounding so kind of like upbeat, but I really appreciate the um the callbacks to the old school like American comic books with the like boom pow, like you know, different little and the design style of it or the art style of it is very reminiscent to like original superhero comic books. So I thought that was cute. So what were some of you said they were mobilizing? So what were some of the key points of that episode of the first episode? Was it just them mobilizing? What other key points did you have? Or so um the other key points of the episode are like with the mobilization, they do kind of break down the structure of the paranormal liberation front and the um plan of attack for the hero side and I didn't memorize kind of the actual structure of or the different teams built within the Paranormal Liberation Army. I did find it hilarious that Dobby and the ice dude that he was fighting almost like were paired in the same group and were the leaders of the same group. I just thought that was ironic. But then for the heroes, it's not a counterattack because technically the heroes make the first move, um, which is great because... As it's stated, I believe in this episode and maybe even the next episode after, if they waited to be um, responsive instead of 
preemptive, the person who's making this prediction straight up says that there's no way they would win. They'd ha- they have to make that first move. So the main part of their, you know, preemptive strike is there are two different teams. You have team Endeavor, and then you have team Edge Shot. And I kind of forgot about Edge Shot. Like, I know he's one of the top. He's he's number three, isn't he? Six. Six. Okay, that's, yeah. Um, I kind of forgot about him. I know they kind of reference him all the time. He was, um, what's his face's favorite hero from the Heroes Rising movie? The one with the quirk that Nine was trying to steal. And getting to see Edge Shot's quirk in episode two was really, really, really freaking cool. Like, I would not have expected a hero to use their quirk that way. But it makes sense. Anyway, that was a little jumping ahead. But, um, yeah, am I missing anything else? Like, I have particular highlights for this episode that just made me feel, like, super good. Like, I'm actually, I was actually uh, two. I actually got them mixed up. Um, hmm. If this is the correct one, Shield is six, who's also in this stuff. Headshot mm-hmm. is four. Four. Okay, that makes sense. Because like, I didn't think he was three, but then I was like, well, maybe he was, you know, leader of the team because Hawks is number two and Hawks is not part of the front lines in any which way because he's doing recognizance. Number three is um, dead. Well, to our knowledge, he's dead. That's true. That was something else in the opening. We see a lot of best genus. So, mm-hmm. like, obviously there's something there with that. Either we're going to find out more about his death or maybe he's not dead or like something's going on with him beyond what we've been able to see. Um, But one of my favorite like highlight moments. Actually, my favorite one that just made me so fucking happy was before the strike, before the operation started. There were average citizens just walking around being like, hey, like, where are the heroes at? And then they're like, oh, look, there's one. And it was Mr. Two-Faced, block-ass, slide-and-go. And he's like, huh, where are the other heroes at? And then one of the heroes we see at the very, very beginning in season one, because he was involved in the whole, like, slime villain incident with Bakugo and uh, Midoriya, jumps on him from behind, clamps his fists together, and is like, yeah, you Two-Faced traitor. Like, of course y'all aren't in on... What's going on? Oh, that was such a great moment for me. Made me feel so good. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head on the biggest things about this episode. They were mobilizing and they did their plan of their plan of attack, attack and eva- evacuation. That was something else that I really appreciated that they I mean, they're heroes, so they try to consider like minimizing casualties, damage and all that other stuff. But to have and I I just honestly for the third time, binge watched all four of those episodes right before we hopped on. And it took me a little while to realize that I, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but in the main four, these four episodes, our big, our future big three are really not super prominent. All three of them are helping with evacuation. Yeah. So obviously, for the people listening, Midoriya. Uh, Shoto and Bakugo was Andrew saying the new big three are not they haven't been pre- presence their presence haven't been felt yet 
Obviously, that'll be later on because this season is 25 episodes. Right. So they will be later on. And just the way that they built the teams, those three were actually not in the front lines. Like Andrea said, the team wasn't, the teams weren't made based off of who were the strongest. It was based off of need abilities and all of that. Because obviously, if they wanted their strongest students just charging in, those three would be right in the front. So, right, for but, sure. And they will all come soon. It they will be coming. Yeah. I just uh, appreciate that they kind of are, you know, cooling their heels a little bit. It was, again, funny. My first reaction when, you know, we see that Bakugo is part of the, like, evacuation team, of course, he automatically starts bitching about it. And all I could think about was his provisional license, his original provisional license exam. Mm-hmm. Oh, the evacuation piece. <laughs> and while he was slightly better, I mean, he was still Bakugo. <laughs> so that that was funny. That was, that was a little humorous moment in there as well. So you brought up that beginning thing with that guy getting caught. Was that your favorite moment of the episode or did you have another favorite moment? So that was probably my best, like, oh, yes, thank God moment. Like, yes. But the other highlight for the episode for me might be less significant to the story but it could be foreshadowing and i'm like not thrilled if it is but we had a moment between mushroom girl who you know who we know i'm not like the biggest fan of but she comes in clutch um has a moment with midnight because mushroom girl is feeling uneasy because she it actually is part of the frontline team there are two students from class 1b and two students from class 1a in the kind of like spear position of taking over the hideout and mushroom girl was one of them. And so she was worried about like, you know, should we really be here? Like we're just students. Like why are, like the league are the people that were attacking UA and midnight. This is one of the more tender moments. I think it might be the most tender moment that we have seen midnight in the spotlight. And she's not making some sort of, you know, like innuendo or being like over the top that she just, seem more like a normal normal person if that makes sense no that makes sense my favorite moment i had i just simply had uh mirko on there because obviously she's the star of this episode see i i left her for the next episode my mvp for the episode for sure was is mirko but um and that's because of she she managed to basically accidentally talk about plot armor. She managed to accidentally destroy a key piece for the paranormal liberation army, just kicking down a door and just happened to be taking, and that door just happened to take out one of the most crucial pieces. Okay. I know she would have gotten it even without, like she would have gotten the, the little Momo, but how that played out was a little too convenient right <laughs> in my no. personal opinion yeah so i just had her for my favorite moments of the episode finally seeing her in action again mvp wise i did also have her down and i also had midnight down i also had eraser because midnight and eraser who there's another person i'm gonna throw in at the end one of them one if not two of them are going to die i've been saying that I think since. I since <laughs> since watching this episode and then the moment because again getting ahead but midnight also has a moment with another student in episode two I'm like yeah I'm jumping on that bandwagon for sure midnight's dying yeah so yeah 
because Midnight, like, that's the longest dialogue she's had in a bit. And then also with the Eraser having his dialogue, that was a longer dialogue. He really doesn't talk all that, all that much, especially to other, like, people who aren't his students, because he was mm-hmm. very, like, for him and his demeanor, he was very passionate. Mm-hmm. So, well, he was but, angry. Like, yeah, he was angry. Talk about the faces of revenge, Eraser and present Mike, like, damn. So. Those were my three MVPs for this episode. Did you have any other MVPs outside of them? No, I honestly basically have, I didn't write Eraser for every like MVP, but basically Eraser is an MVP for every episode so far. Like Eraser, I will go ahead and call it Eraser, Hawks, Mirko, so far are just going to be war MVPs in general. Because, like, none of this would go through without them. And I know there's going to be more coming up. And obviously, again, Endeavor's the number one hero. So, of course, he's going to be considered an MVP of the war. Like, he's going to be a war hero. But I feel like, so far, those three have already cemented their status in these four episodes as being for sure. Like, for sure. I would say the first, I mean, I would agree with, like, the first quarter since yeah quarter yeah so i will say like the first four i 100 percent agree we'll see well if they're all standing in the next four well even if they're not standing in the next four unfortunately their impact on the war i feel like for sure it it puts them up there we'll see cool we'll have to wait and see especially after the end of the fourth episode did you have any questions about the first episode any questions that came in your mind so i didn't have i mean i was the question that I had come up was something that had already been hinted that uh, Hawks had like specialized training that he was like trained to be a hero in something separate. Um, and he kind of briefly touches on it. Of course we know it's through the commission, but like for me, it was like, okay, what, what's the program? How many people are in it? Are they recruited for it? Are they, I got dark and I'm like, are they bioengineered for it? Like how, like what more is there in there because there's obviously more in there Um, but I did feel like a question was answered for us during this episode about um Dr. Egghead as I as I think of him uh what what is his name Garaki or Mm -hmm. something like that when we figure out that he does have a quirk and it's like that makes yep that makes sense that makes sense why the Nomus have the quirks that they do. Why all for one was able to survive for so long. Like, yeah. And why the doctor's been around for so long, even. Part of me wanted to, like, speculate that that's the quirk. Like, if you buy into the whole that he stole a quirk from uh, Midoriya, that that was the quirk he stole from Midoriya. But I don't think so. Because I'm, I get the feeling that he had that quirk long before he met Midoriya. It's funny, too, because with him, I didn't even write his quirk thing until this past episode, because the biggest thing I took away from him on that very, like, first episode was his image in the public eye, renowned mm-hmm. doctor, like, all of his normal workers revere him, like, a normal they, they stepped in front of President Mike to protect mm-hmm. him, like, hey, like, don't hit him, don't use violence, or whatever the translation was, it was like what like we we obviously know as the viewers like what's going on but still like 
you got to be pretty bold to get between a hero and somebody they're like roughing up because the assumption is that the hero should be in the right and the person they're roughing up did something wrong or is a villain so that was interesting so that was my thing with him but i had a whole actually had a whole list of questions from this first episode like my first question was so who finally told him about the army i feel like that meeting should have been shown like in season four i wanted to see the heroes reactions knowing that some of their co-workers have been working underneath their noses this entire time to overthrow them so those questions were super big and then from which we talked about with um eraser And the people, everyone fighting, I was like, so, okay, who's watching? I'm going to go ahead and say, who's watching the strongest, strongest in terms of power and quirk? Who's watching Aerie right now? If something, if she goes crazy and then like general questions, are the UA classes canceled because everyone's (laughs) fighting, but is everyone fighting at UA? Like, where's the principal at? Um, That's true. We haven't seen principal Nezu. That's, that's fair. Then the biggest thing to go on to my other theory when we did. Where are the other classes too? We've only seen class one A, class one B, and one person from. Mm -hmm. uh, What is it? The the senior class. Oh, senior class. Yeah. Yeah. So those are some of my questions. My last one was to go to my other theory. The closing song shows Deku running away from his classmates, running past them, and leaving the scarf. Does that signify my other thing that he's leaving after this arc? Yeah. Yeah. And the scarf, like, I just feel is a big tell for like a divergence in in where he's been so far. But also it's it's a very reminiscent symbol of a particular villain that a lot of people felt like wasn't necessarily wrong. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, and then obviously he gets brought up later on in episode four, but we'll get there. Yep. So episode two was Mirko, the number five hero. Um, Andrew, what are the key, what's going on, the key stuff in this episode? Mirko's going the fuck off. That's what's going on in this episode. So she basically made it past a shit ton of high level nomus by herself, turning herself basically into a Beyblade, like the way it was animated. That was my first thought. It was like, oh, that's, that's, She's a Beyblade. She's a spinning top right there. Amazing. Crashes the laboratory. Finds the real doctor. And of course he's shitting his pants. Like, that's my other thing about him is like, you are so fucking pathetic. Like, you are just... Oh my god. He irritates me. He he really does. But, so she's going off. He lets loose some e- even higher level Nomus in the sense that they are uh, they have critical thinking skills and they have like a higher activation point where they have, I guess, maybe stronger quirks or better control over the quirks. I'm not sure exactly what it comes to the quirks, if that's an impact or if it's just the critical thinking piece. And she's holding her own completely by herself when Endeavor with a normal high level Nomu was struggling and almost died. She took on how many was she fighting Four. Yeah, she fought, she fought a good Fighting amount. Fighting four and like not only managed to stay alive, she like, oh my gosh, she was she was kicking such ass. It was amazing. And then when she got hurt and didn't even flinch. It was amazing. It was amazing. She 
for sure MVP of the episode. That's why this episode's named after her. She deserves all of the credit. Um, the other piece, the second half of the episode is uh, going towards the going back to team edge edge shot who is trying to raid the um paranormal liberation army's hideout during like a scheduled meeting so that's where so the two class 1a students in that like spear position in the front line with their wide range attacks are tokoyami and denki and then we also have the class 1B. We have Miss Mushroom. And I keep forgetting his name, but the guy that's able to, like, make the floor turn into mud. like Oh, the teacher? No, no, no. That's a Mentos. He's, that's concrete. The, the student, the one that can, like, make the floor, the ground, like, soft and melt and then make it hard again and so you're trapped ah, gotcha gotcha that yeah, guy was it sl- a sludge sludge man sl- some- i can't remember his name i can't but he was trouble when it came to the class 1a versus class 1b trainings mm-hmm. so they're making their move and i feel like also again eraser for me is basically an mvp in every single episode because he's erasing the regenerative abilities of the Nomos, so that way they can be killed and minimize the loss or defeat of other heroes in the process. But last second, Mr. Denki Kaminari came in super clutch, super clutch. Like that was, I know it's Mirko's episode. 100%. But I feel like he is also should be named as an MVP. What was your favorite uh, moment of the episode? So I already said a couple of the ones that I really Mirko not flinching when her arm got spliced, essentially. Yeah, her arm's done. That was insane. Insane. The funniest moment of the episode is Endeavor, like, giving Eraserhead a compliment about his quirk. Like, that's a nifty quirk. Like, you can still come be my sidekick. Like, <laughs> and Eraser's like, nah, I got some snot-nosed students to deal with. It's like, very Eraserhead fashion. Just, it just, it's one of those things where you're able to, like, get a little bit of humor and breathe. Um, But my... And this is again because I'm a big sucker for romantic plot lines. But the ship confirmation was so cute in this episode. I don't know if you want to say who it is. I don't mind not saying who it is, but it was just so cute. Because after Midnight has her moment with Denki kind of helping him, um, I don't want to say find his courage because he's a hero. So he's always wanted, been willing to put himself out there. But being in this, like actual battle situation, he was freaking out. So she had another touching moment with him and he just, the ship was confirmed. The the feelings were confirmed. It was so freaking cute. And then he just speeds past most of the people in front of him. I didn't realize he could move like that. Number one, number two, the amount of voltage 
that he was lightning rotting using his body was insane. And the way they animated it to make him look so in control and in, like powerful was great. I also thought it was hilarious that the um, paranormal liberation army's like electricity user essentially needed to pull electricity from somewhere else to use it. Cause he had to basically like taser himself and then would amplify the voltage. Whereas Denki's quirk electrification, this is where it gets, you know, into the differentiation between quirks of like, that guy's yes, it can be applied towards electricity and he that's how he chooses to do it, but it amplifies it. He doesn't create it. He couldn't he couldn't just hold on to people's cell phone charges between chargers between his teeth and charge their phones. Like Denki. Like they just function very differently. And that guy thought he was such hot shit. He was like hands in the pockets, walking up real slow, smoking his cigarette, made the little butt of his cigarette like spark up. And he's like, basically like, hold my beer. And then Denki handles all of that shit. And he's just like, no way. And it's like, fuck off. You are not the only person who can use electricity. Like what? Like, come on. Like, <laughs> So that was fucking great. Chef's kiss, fucking great. I didn't have any questions actually from this episode. But what about you? Um, so just going back, we, we favorite moment was mine was Denki at the end because he's someone who hasn't gotten that type of spotlight in class 1A. Um, him having confidence, and I mean, I'll say it because I, I wrote him down anyway with Denki and um, Jiro, Jiro. now yeah. being like confirmed, which I mean, that was one of the it was one of the more obvious ones. Like, it was just there. Like, everybody could kind well, of see it. All of them have been obvious, but this is the first one that's actually been, like, confirmed. And we're, like, almost, what, a hundred plus episodes, three movies. Yeah. Uh, season six. Shit. We don't know what happens. One of them might not make it out. That's true. So, that's very true. For it to actually be confirmed. In that moment that he, like, fully, like, if he didn't realize it before, like he fully accepted it in that moment. Because yeah. essentially, and it's both what ways. Midnight... And it's yeah. both ways. This is the first one that it's both ways. Because yeah. with Shoto and Momo, it's all Momo's side. Shoto hasn't acknowledged it. Like Midoriya hasn't acknowledged the stuff with Uraraka. Like it's all, they're all one sided. This was the first time where it was. Yeah. We could both see ways. her like mentioning, like she was overly worried about Denki even though Tokoyami was out there. And part of that could be that she feels like Tokoyami's more like battle ready or experienced, but the way it comes across is that she's just more generally worried about Kaminari being able to handle the task he's been given and being able to come back. And so for Midnight to be like, Hey, if it's hard for you to picture or like really feel passionate about protecting someone somewhere, picture yourself protecting, you know, the, the person or the people or, the thing most important to you and he takes that moment to be the thing most important to me or the person most important to me and then we see we see Jiro and it's yeah. like yes oh my god I I audibly like yelled when I saw that I was just like so excited so happy but you're right one of them or both of them honestly this could be a Ramus and Tonks situation from Harry Potter where they both die yeah, like potential, potential. that would be terrible but 
technically could happen. And the only question I had from this episode, because when I do my, I do the notes, I do them in live time. So mm-hmm. I don't go back. So obviously the only thing I wrote again was at this time when this episode came out, it was like midnight again, which we've, we've already talked about having two things. That was one thing I was like, oh, it's really about to, it, it's going to happen. She's, she's going to die. So if she that, gets an episode titled after her, she's dead. Potentially. Yeah. But just because she's never had one before. I mean, Mirko. Mirko just had one and then two episodes later she's not looking too good either and depending right. on what how, someone how does when he destroying the hospital since he's awake they, there's a lot of people there who might not make it to the final fight right um right. so next episode was one justice it's the third episode and before we actually talk about this episode right I was trying to really think and it was really trying to go back. I don't know if it was, I don't know if the closest one of recent is when Lamillion lost his quirk and he was still fighting to protect Aerie and all that music and all that stuff. But this episode is probably one of the most emotional episodes, definitely of recent My Hero Academia anime and maybe the most emotional one of all time. Really? You think so? I, I think they did this episode Justice. very perfectly <laughs> because you were feeling bad for the person who actually spoilers the dies. Yeah, yeah, so you feel yeah. really bad about it. The person who kills him feels really bad about it. Really doesn't yep. like. So I was just sitting there. I was like, they yeah, that episode is probably one of the most emotional, emotionally ones from all for ones. sure. So for sure. But let's get into it. So go ahead, Andrew. So, I mean, do we want to say who who dies? Do we just not want to say that? Because um, like, at this point, I mean, episode three came out on the fifteenth. They'll probably hear this by the sixth, fifth, sixth, maybe episode. So we might as well. We can. It's already out. Okay. So okay. So like, uh, yeah. So twice. It's twice. Um, and honestly, towards the end of that episode, there, I really thought he was gonna like barely make it out because like that's when Dobby got involved in the face off between Hawks and twice. And yeah. We see Hawks be very conflicted about it. Hawks likes twice. He wishes and wanted twice to, like, you know, to have a fresh start. He offered him the fresh start. And, I mean, it was just really sad to see. I mean, and see Twice's guilt because he has the flashbacks to when he brought Overhaul to Shigaraki. And then that's when they lost uh, Big Sis Mags, and uh, they took oh, I'm forgetting his name the the guy with the marbles that wears the mask um, took his one of his arms, and like that was a whole disaster. And Twice was the one that brought him, and then now Twice is the one is essentially almost the entire reason that Hawks is able to know about the meeting, know where Shigaraki's at, gaining power. And the whole thing, you know, if and hopefully when the Paranormal Liberation Army fails, it's primarily because of Twice's misjudgment. Of course, we're thankful for his misjudgment because we're on the hero side, but we do see that emotional like turmoil and guilt. And he was more than willing to sacrifice himself to get Hawks. Because Hawks is threatening 
everyone he holds dear, particularly he references Toga, which <sighs> that goodbye was very touching. I was actually kind of surprised that I didn't cry because this is a very emotionally charged episode and I am a crier. But I think for me, part of the reason that I didn't is because, I mean, once we saw his quirk evolve, that he basically is a one-man army, he had to go. There was no way. And and that's even because I liked him as a character. I wish he would have been a good guy or would have been able to start over. And so, yeah. So this episode is which I honestly think it's the best episode out of the four, obviously mm. because of the emotional reasons, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that have never been said in watching of my hero of season six. One of the biggest things was Hawks when he was just like, you get to a point, if the good person doesn't want to, the hero doesn't want to give up, the villain doesn't give up, you got to kill him. That's the right. first time yeah. in all of my hero that you've said, you've heard a hero say, I gotta kill you. I'm gonna kill you. Like that's the and this is that was in one of my questions. Was like, okay, so with Hawks killing twice, like, can he be a hero anymore? Like, is this a wartime exception? Is like what what happens with this? What happens from here if Hawks makes it out alive? Because this again, this is a war, and he he was loyal to the heroes, but now and of course, any hero is a enemy of the paranormal liberation army but they were double yeah yeah so he, yeah so he's he might not make it out of this and uh that i think goes more into no that does happen all in episode three but like damn and the pairing the matchup because in the next episode we see um, Tokoyami kind of reflecting on Hawks as his mentor in general. It goes over how like well-rounded he is, how he's able to do all of these things. And he flat out asked him, he's like, hey, what are you weak against? And Hawks was like, easy, fire. And so <laughs> who is he up against with already half burnt off wings? Oh, before before we get to that, okay. that's going to be some stuff from three because that's going to go right, right into four. So with the killing thing too and once hawks came out of like that because dobby comes and he's like don't apologize and all that stuff but once like hawks there's a scene where he comes out of the smoke and mm-hmm. like you see his eyes but they're like sharpened up i'm like oh he's dead like he's actually like i didn't think he was actually really going to kill him i really didn't and then i was like oh we just had a hero kill somebody and like you said with the wartime thing or i mean it's like what hawks said it's like, if you get to this point, if you know they're not going to stop and all of that, then they got to go. My thing, when I was watching it, because obviously Hawks revealed, like, yeah, he was two-timing them and all of that. And just because, like, you know, I do this a little bit, I, like, really think deep into my comparison stuff. And that scene, to me, mm-hmm. is a scene when he was revealing and twice was super sad in an alternate anime universe that scene to me is what would have happened if like itachi actually would have had to kill kisame like if he actually revealed that he was an agent yeah that was the closest thing i thought of i was like this is because i've always wondered i was like so what to the naruto fans well how was itachi gonna take out the akatsuki like he was gonna have to do something 
So like him being partnered up with Kisame, and Kisame really liked him. Right. Just, and like he was sad when he Tachi died, just like twice. Really liked a Hawks and vice versa. So like if they say he taught you to start killing these Akatsuki members and the first one is your partner, that that's the scene that reminds me of like that would well, have been the scene right there. And that would have been just as just as wrenching. Yeah. And then obviously the MVPs of this were Hawks and Twice, their voice actors and the music mm-hmm. delivered was just crazy. One of the emotionally charged episodes of recent thing. But then the biggest thing which we've talked about this before on many podcasts of secret identities and all of that. Right. Dobby knowing Hawks's real name was one of the biggest shockers. Right. That was why that, that threw Hawks for a loop. Cause mm-hmm. Hawks was like, we find out more so why, like in the next episode, but he, he was just floored. And that's the second time Dobby has walked up on a hero and been like, your real name. Bitch, I know your name. The first time being Endeavor. And with all the speculation around, like, who Dobby really is. And then now he walks up on Hawks. And Hawks is already very much like, I have to stay focused. I have to stay focused. I have to stay focused. And then Dobby hits them with the, hey, Kygo. And is like, oh, threw him for a massive loop. Oh, I was I was going nuts because I'm like, oh, my gosh. What and like the fact that Hawks was thrown off because exactly. I mean, obviously he can keep a poker face. The dude was trained, yeah, and trained in the double agent, but he couldn't keep it during that. I'm like, oh, this is this, this is, is bad. Something. Like this is bad. And then I started running the like questions popping in my head. Is like, oh, was Dobby like originally also in this like super secret like hero training class? Mm-hmm. Like, is that how he knows his name? Did they like? play together as kids like were they neighbor like what like how how does he know his name like truly how does he know his name yeah with that I, I i officially was like okay i've been i like i've been underestimating dobby way too much like this this guy knows he's, a he's lot been a bit of a more sleeper. yeah he knows yeah. a lot more than what i than i thought he did with the hawks thing that was that was big. That's why I was like, this was my favorite episode out of the out of the four. But now okay. that perfectly leads into the fourth episode. Yeah. I do, I do want to say one question that I had also during episode three was mm-hmm. um, so Tokuyami being involved in the like initial attack was to help seal off the long tunnels. And so he did that using a new move called Ragnarok <laughs> with Dark Shadow. Mm-hmm. And Dark Shadow got a glimpse at uh giganto machia machia right yep. the yeah the and dark shadow was like don't go down there there's a monster and that's when we hear uh is it sugarichi the the police buddy of all might basically like oh yeah no don't worry about that because like he only takes you know orders from essentially all 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 for one but he's like out of commission so don't worry about it and i'm like that's red flag red flag <laughs> red flag on that play because like saying that is like i'm looking at him stare at the the boom box and i'm just like oh my god does he order does does he fully take orders from shigaraki now because if that's the case then that's going to be a problem that's going to be a massive problem he will <laughs> that's that's going to be the thing yeah yeah and so that was my question was like damn does he really fully like 
listen to Shigaraki now? Or is it that he's like, just kind of accepted him, but he still wants to have like, all for one's voice, tell him what to do, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think that kind of gets answered in the next episode, which you are about to start. Yeah. So, I mean, right where we left off with Dobby and Hawks, like you said, the one weakness for Hawks is fire and he's fighting a fire person, which now with like knowing like what Hawks is really about, I would have thought he would have planned for that because like, I always like I forgot that twice was the one who really introduced him because I just remember like the end credit scenes of season five where mm-hmm. it's like Dobby introducing him to the league. And like right. I always thought him and Dobby hung out a little bit more than him and twice. So I was didn't think like Hawks, I'm like, all right, man, you've already proven that you're super smart, like tactical. You would think you would have to run into Dobby eventually. So I was just shocked he didn't wasn't like right more prepared or had like a backup. Right. And I'm wondering if the backup plan, we just haven't seen it yet. Cause like, cause his, again, this is the same episode. Like I said, where Tokuyami kind of reflects back on his time uh, mm-hmm. training under Hawks and Hawks says like, my weakness is fire. And so Tokuyami's like, okay, well, how, how do you combat that? How do you, and Hawks is just straight up. Like it was such a silly answer to me. I was like, of course he would say it that way. That's so Hawks, but he's basically like, get them first. It's like, uh, well, you did not do that as far as we can tell right now, but maybe he has some other like latent trap. I don't think so, but I don't want to assume against Hawks just because like, I feel like he continually surprises us and not always like in a good way. Like when I read, obviously, because like subtitles, but when I read and heard Dobby say his name, I figured Hawks was just was not going to be phased mm-hmm. and then he was and it's like oh shit so yeah so we'll we'll see if he doesn't actually have a plan in potentially episode five or maybe they'll leave it hang for a really long time that we don't know exactly what happens but the fact that hawks asks dobby who he is and then we see dobby's mouth move but there's no audio Oh my god, talk about a teaser. Well, Hawks like, even said too, like he he thoroughly investigated everyone in the league, knew their personalities past, all that. The only two people he couldn't get anything were Shigaragi and Dobby. And then he was just like, dude, who the hell? Like for someone of his caliber not to be able to find out any information about those two. Right. And then Hawks, like you said, he's like, Who the hell are you? And you get that whisper thing. And then, which I didn't even know Dobby was a big stain fan like that. You See, everybody wonder. forgot. Everybody yeah, forgot. I, I totally too. forgot. But then as soon as he said it, I was like, that's right. Because that's when Jiren uh, brought Toga and Dobby in was after Stain. They were both Stain fans. I, for, I completely, I completely forgot. Like, he was that big a fan. Like, he's just like, man, I don't really care. I'm just using the league to promote carry out stain's will right and that's why like that's when he said that i was like oh fuck that's right because toga at one point also was like hey this doesn't seem like what mr what mr stainy would would do or would want whatever and that's when shigaraki's like fuck stain whatever i i don't i actually found it kind of hard that shigaraki never ascribed to that ideology but they still stuck with him but whatever 
yeah, I had forgotten too. I completely forgot. Um, yeah, but that was that was I, wild. <laughs> yes, and I will say um, the moment because basically we know twice is dead, mm-hmm. and Dobby like lights Hawks up. I did find it odd that his first light up is only on his back. He didn't bother to like burn him anywhere else. It's only on his wings. And it's like, okay, is he trying to torture him? Is he going to try to make an example out of him by taking, essentially taking away his quirk, his use of his quirk. Um, But when Hawks looks up at Dobby and Dobby's like, you know, saying like, you killed him. You're not a real hero. Like, I don't know if Dobby uses the word friend, but basically is like, you killed somebody not necessarily important to me but you killed somebody and i am upset about it and hawks it looks at him and the face that dobby's making there are no tears but it's a very extreme face and hawks's comment is is that the face of somebody who's upset that their friend just died and dobby was just like you can't say that to me that's the fact that he said that like how mean was kind of like it was weird but it reminded me because his next comment was that he he burned his tear ducts so like Mm -hmm. it's confirmed that he physically cannot cry and there was a situation i don't remember which season it was where blood was coming out from underneath like where like it looks like he's got his eyelids stapled on Mm -hmm. and maybe that's kind of reminiscent of how he now cries because his tear ducts are burned off but anyway that reminded me of a parallel in attack on titan when spoiler alert if you've never seen attack on titan please skip these this next like 30 seconds in one of the later seasons and see in season four i forget which part i'm pretty sure part one one of our favorite most beloved characters gets unexpectedly shot and killed and everybody's upset about it legitimately every one of the ogs is torn to pieces and it sounds, it sounds like the main character, Aaron, is crying, is uh, laughing. But in reality, how he processes pain usually comes off as a scream or a yell or like, like a painful laugh. And I mean, Aaron in that scene does get, I think, kicked or punched. I don't remember which and by who, but it's kind of that not everybody expresses said pain in the same way. And so you can't judge how people react to a tragedy or like a sudden happening like that. Um, Which is another real life kind of like parallel. Of course, is it strange that somebody would laugh when a friend of theirs dies or like, even if their cry, their pain sounds that way, like whatever, but I thought that that was the parallel that I thought of in this episode. So then that's basically half the episode. Then you go to them fighting again, these nomus who these high end ones, these are just utterly ridiculous. Yeah. On how like, I'm just really sitting back and thinking that even if I don't know however long the advance they got, like they stand no chance. Like you were going to fight 10,000 people. You're going to fight all these different things in Nomu's. You're going to fight Super Shigaraki. I'm really still sitting here. Even with this jump, I'm like, I still don't know how they're going to win. Like, they have the advantage now, but 
Right. Now. And that's the thing is that's set up. I feel like in this episode is that the tide is about to turn. Oh, yeah. Because at it the is. end of this episode is when Shigaraki like comes out of suspended life, which was also plot armor bullshit. But anyway, regardless, we did get lucky in that technically he didn't reach the full 100% activation. So technically he's not as supercharged as he could have been. And that's thanks to Mirko breaking the tank and letting some of the fluid out. Next was present Mike's uh, like scream, frying the rest of it and busting it open. And at the time that it's bust open and Shigaraki comes out, they check him. He has no pulse. So essentially he was in suspended animation. So technically speaking, realistically, he could have just died and never woken up. That would have been beautiful. Of course, would have that, that have been too easy? Absolutely. We have too many uh, Shigaraki and Deku parallels for them not to face off. Like, of course, they couldn't get so lucky that he'd never wake up. But I didn't think he was going to wake up right away. And I'm very concerned about the hero that they left. Oh, he's dead. To take care. Yeah, he's, he's, he's dead. He's, he's dead. gone. He's going to die. Yeah. I also think present Mike might be smoked because he's, yeah, I think he's going to die too. I hope not. I really hope not. Because they're, they're, really they're getting that professor back. And President Mike's the current person holding him. The doctor, he's dead. That That's fair. He's either dead or he is going to be retired dead. Like, re- yeah. he's going to be hurt so bad, retired. Because yeah. you talked about the sugar rock. Like, Miracle was, I was like, oh. I was like, oh, like, to be, at this second part, I didn't think Miracle was going to be making it out either. Because I was like, Me, oh, this yeah. is not looking. I don't think she's fighting the rest of the. No, for sure. Which Even is bad because with... it's only episode four out of 25. Right. So, and if you don't have your number five hero when the main fights haven't even started yet, that's going to be bad. But President Mike, we got to see him do stuff like you said. Like, again, anyone who we haven't seen do stuff often, I instantly think they're going to be gone. It's their swan song. That's fair. I will say one of my highlights on a much lighter note for this episode was... um. Fat gum is fat taxi (laughs) with all the students just chilling in his belly and he's running them back to the back to the back line. It was and to even give it an official name of fat taxi, I was like, oh my goodness. That's so cute. Like that's so so funny. So with this one too, obviously brought up the Shigaraki plot points where you see him like in his subconscious, I'll just say subconscious, and you see, like, his family, mm-hmm. like, really doesn't have that many hard feelings for his sister, still likes the mom, hates the dad, mm-hmm. and then, like, obviously, all for one son him to come here, and then, like, you see his family trying to stop. I don't know why they put the dad in front. That was stupid. That was really stupid. They should have put and- his sister, his mom, or his grandma, who All Might's master. We got right. to see her. I haven't seen her in, like... In yeah. like a physical form in forever. So yeah. but and then and you the, hear the doctor and the, talking. I mean, foreshadowing of the um what's that called? The intro. I mean, we see Shigaraki wearing his grandma's cape. Like mm-hmm. it it's his grandma's cape. And I'm like, oh fuck, that's messed up. Like like Well, I want to know where he got like Me too. Just, Cause that's see, this goes back to my thing I've said for years in Garza My Hero. I don't understand how Shigaraki, if he loved the f- season one, mm-hmm. he hated All Might because his grandmommy died because of this dude, quote unquote. But your master is the one who killed your killed grandma. Her. And it has not been shown 
that you know that your master is the one who killed your grandma. So if your master just casually showed up like, I was able to salvage your grandma's cape that you admire so much. Wouldn't you ask where he got it from? Oh, when he was snapping her freaking neck. Like probably. I still don't, but whatever. It was their thing. He walks to all for one. I think the biggest thing too was the doctor talking about that the quirk singularity theory. I was like, oh, yeah. we're bringing this back. Like yeah. I was like, oh, and the fact shit. it's him, like that he's the one that brought it up. And that's mm-hmm. why he like when all for one um came up to him and was like, Hey, I don't think your stuff is bullshit. And he just dedicated the rest of his like super extended life either, to him so. <laughs> and he now he's like oh my god he he's a little bitch i don't like like oh my god i don't think his stuff is either i know he did the thing with the quirk stealing bullets and all that mm-hmm. for necessary but i don't think his stuff's that bullshit either but and obviously we talked about the first episode like of course the guy who's so bad the doctor having a quirk that everyone would die for like life would force you for. get to, yeah you get to live twice as long you just lose athletic ability okay (laughs) okay okay like and then obviously like all this planning and stuff and because i'm starting to think man i'm i'm trying to think the doctor and all for one were freaking black zetsuing it like they orchestrated shigaragi's family to get the way they died and all that because they knew he would come to him because they were talking about a successor and you you just don't pick anyone. Like, I feel like that shit was all pre... Pre-planned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, obviously, I mean, the end up, I mean, Shigaragi's waking up, and then we'll go... That goes into episode five, which is called The Thrill of Destruction, October 29th, and it's it's gonna get bad. It's gonna go wild. It's gonna because, get fucking wild. Because he got a power up when he obviously was fighting Redestro. Mm-hmm. And now he's going to be let's just 75% times or whatever stronger than what he was then. And if he has all this shit that they were talking about, that from all for one and all right. that stuff. That now he has the original all for one quirk. Yeah. Which is why I feel like since he now has the original all for one quirk, Giganto Machia will for sure mm-hmm. will not take orders from all for one anymore. He will take them from Shigaraki directly which is that's why i feel like this is so premeditated because like someone as smart and dangerous and cunning as all for one making all of these plans and then giving shigaraga the original quirk you obviously you think he's going to be completely loyal to your ideas and stuff right but it could be the typical villain i'm stronger than you now yada yada i don't have to listen to you oh like i feel like there's a plan yeah I feel like he wouldn't do that unless he knew something like that would happen. And there's a whole plan. Yeah. Speaking of plan, there was another question since everyone is magically out here fighting and all that. What security team was left to watch all for one? I was thinking about that too. I was like, uh, how is Tartarus doing? Like, um, I feel like he's going to break out like episode 12. Probably. That'd be bad. That'd be, it'd be terrible. <laughs> But it's going to happen. You know it's going to happen. And then and also a big point where from like from a strategic thing now I'm conflicted in this episode. Mm-hmm. Because obviously the doctor like you talked about Eraser being an MVP. Started talking about like, er- like Eraser stuff was being brought up. And obviously the Nomus were talking about like we can't do stuff because of Eraser's quirk. Right. I'm getting nervous that 
what if they capture a racer and his court gets like in the transferred into all for one right i truly do not know without dropping the atomic nuke how you would beat an all for one with all those quirks and the ability to erase your quirk i that's why i was sitting there i was like oh i don't know if i want to erase her because if he gets kidnapped and they take his shit that's bad right and I feel like they would have to, what, I mean, my thought is like, okay, Eraser's probably aware of this and everybody else's, and he's probably got like a cyanide pill on one of his teeth, number one. Number two, there has to be a secondary something to just incinerate his body because obviously him being dead does not prevent that doctor mm-hmm. from extracting the court. Like he, yeah, he's he too needs good. to he's be too good a doctor. gone. Yeah. He, his, his, nothing can remain so is that the way he goes out on this season he's like i'd rather die than let my quirk like hurt my students fuck that would be oh my god that's super eraser that's on that is that is super eraser i feel like oh my god i i hope that isn't it i really hope that isn't it but i as we're watching the episodes because eraser like i said basically i've jotted down as an mvp for every single motherfucking episode Mm -hmm. um I probably shouldn't swear so much. Anyway. It's okay. Um, I mean, we we swear a certain amount of numbers. We just put numbers. Times we just put the explicit things. So it's okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> my bad. My bad, guys. Anyway. Um, because he is so central to, like, Team Endeavor, I'm starting to get very nervous. He's going to be, if he's not killed, incapacitated very, 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 very soon. And... He is so central. Like, they need him. And I also am just like, how rare is this type of quirk that they can't find anyone else for him as a backup? And this is when I wish that the heroes also had access to, like, the duplication stuff. So, like, they could duplicate his quirk and, like, with his permission, like, give it to somebody else. Like, Just think about it from this end, too, from another Naruto comparison. When Kabuto stole Yamato to you because he's the only person with the first Okage's things right. to do this. What if they steal him and they power up these high-end Zets um Nomus no with a racer quirk? They would be uns- I'm telling you, anyone they would else, be unstoppable because they anyone be able to who gets it's be unstoppable. And they're still regenerating. The, and mm-hmm. they they would be. They would be completely invincible. And that's why I feel like that won't happen because they can't be completely invincible. Well, they can be um, invincible all to just one person. I mean, one for all is not going to get a rape. That, that'd be, it'd be invincible just to not the main character. But I don't think Midoriya can, I actually don't know what the hell he's going to do now. I don't know what any of these kids are going to be able to do when I, these high ends get to the field. I, facts. My question is, like, again, with the face-off between Deku and Shigaraki, I feel like there's going to be talk no jutsu attempts and part of me is like that it's not working here but i also wonder because of that matchup because of that history and because of you know all for one and one for all derived from all for one if during that fight like kind of the way that naruto and or not naruto excuse me um no, yeah, when Naruto and Sasuke were fighting, that they kind of had like Sasuke had a glimpse into Naruto's life and had an epiphany. I wonder if there's going to be some situation like that where Shigaraki sees his grandmother in 
during that fight in Midoriya or like she comes out something and he finally like the talk no jutsu finally fucking works i feel like that's the only thing that makes sense to me i have for a it to come to a close but i have a complete really opposite. okay yep. complete opposite because now i'm gonna I'm gonna go back to the og anime of this i think it's gonna be a gohan cell moment mm. i think shigaraki is going to kill a racer or one of these people right in front of Midoriya, mm -hmm. and it is going to snap. Like all, like it's going to be the first time he's like, I, I'm, I got to kill him. And then, like, because especially if it's a racer, he's gonna, he's gonna want to kill him. Like, I think if it's any of those people that he messes with, he's gonna kill him. And then, like, all the quirks are gonna like start activating inside of him because only mm -hmm. Black Whip's activated. Midoriya is gonna be due for another power up to match Shigaraki, and that's yeah. gonna be the snap. And like he's just gonna be like, I don't care. We're gonna we're have breaking to... necks. We breaking yeah. necks out here. Or you could, I mean, it depends on how badly they want to win. Because if they're talking about the overhaul thing, they can be like, Well, we do have the secret weapon. If Aries on Midoriya, he can go a hundred percent. Like Yeah, they're, but they're like, not gonna let a child go on into a battle zone. Technically, they're all they're anyone under 18 is a child and they're that that's valid but you know what i meant that she's like an elementary school age child without a provisional license and without any sort of combat training well if it means if it doesn't mean the end of the world we're killing people now so everything all conventional stuff is off that's true like if it means the end of the planet then because i do think Aerie is actually going to have a say in this season one really? way or the other i hmm? figured she was just gonna stay at stay stay at school She's and doing figured... something because my biggest thing is out of these four episodes, we haven't even seen a glimpse of what the hell is All Might doing. Yeah, seriously. He's not even in the police thing. So I'm sitting there, I was like, is there a secret plan? Like, is he watching something? Like, he hasn't even given, like, obviously in the third movie, almost a similar type opening. They're having a meeting, all that stuff. Like, oh, there's nukes. All Might's giving that raw, raw speech to everyone. We haven't had a raw, raw speech from him. And I'm just, I'm wondering where he's at. Maybe he's the one who's watching Aerie. Because someone has to, because she's a ticking, like, time bomb. Yeah. And obviously the one person who could calm her, that, that's how I know everything is off. Because a racer wouldn't be fighting this, because he's the only one who could calm Aerie down. And he's on the front lines knowing, like, if we, there's not going to be a front Aerie to calm down if we don't win. So that's why I was like, oh, all bets are off. But now Deku's going to snap. Because he yeah. hasn't had that, he hasn't had it yet, where he sees someone die right in front of him. It, it's going to happen. It's, it's going to be someone he likes, and then he, he's going to snap, and then he's going to be like, I got to kill Shigaragi now. Hence why I think of the leaving thing, because he's like, I, I have to reevaluate, because now it's like, I'm supposed to be a hero. I let someone die, just because I don't, obviously Shigaragi's not going to die this season. He's going to get away somehow. And that was my fault. I need to leave, and I need. I the only way I could be a hero and fulfilled what All Might said because he said you're next, mm -hmm. and that's getting rid of uh, all for one, once and for all, by any means. Which means mm -hmm. I have to kill him. Which means it goes against all the things I thought. Because I mean, All Might was trying to kill all for one, so it's not like. So, that's what I think is going to happen. I don't. I, I think they're going to get past talking. Maybe. My Hero Academia season nine, when it's the series finale, if they're still going, but he's going to have to kill him. Yeah. Because he can't let him be that strong. If he starts killing any all, all these other people, 
Like, Shigarangi is going to kill people in this next episode. And yep, I mean the ne- the title of the next episode is what? Just uh, the thrill destruction of destruction. Or- yeah, yeah. And Garaki literally, like when he was waking up or like mentioning that his quirk had bloomed mm-hmm. after fighting Giganto Mac- Machia and Redestro, whatever, was like, "You are now the like actual embodiment of destruction." It was like, yikes. And I mean. The doctor, as much as he's a hmm, little bitch, um, reminds me of he, the doctor from Captain America. Yes, that little who was working with the Red Skull. That's who you remind. Yes, of, yes, one hundred percent. Oh my god, yes, little <laughs> freaking snake. But anyway, he said it right that Shigaraki, like, he can now just destroy make something no longer exist mm-hmm. ashes to ashes dust to dust in an instant if he's touching something that they are touching yep he is always touching the ground mm-hmm. so within a certain radius and they'll have to figure that out by trial and error how far away people need to be from him and at that point um and that's where i feel like his grandmother's quirk is gonna come and kick in is that i mean because her quirk was was it float or flight basically flying Um, yeah so obviously if midoriya is not touching the ground or anything around shigaraki then he can yeah and he would have to use air force because technically if he kicks shigaraki then he is touching him and deku could probably just disintegrate from there we're gonna see he's gonna get some sort of plot main character power up is just is it gonna be enough and will it not just be the power of friendship nah i don't i, I think not a war i mean no nah, i mean no this is a war man there ain't no time for stupid Someone, questions someone's gonna they're gonna be afterthoughts but andrew anything else on these first four wow just like oh wow it it's been good to have them new episodes every week. It's exciting to see what happens next, just like any anime ever, but like because we are in the middle of a war and I will admit during Shippuden during the war, the fourth great Shinobi war, I basically watched that in sections. So I was not going week by week by week. So that level of anticipation or like anxiety wasn't there. So like, this is probably my first proper war arc in that every week. If if we didn't have y'all, if I didn't have this podcast and uh, talk about my hero on a regular basis, I probably would wait until like halfway through the season to binge watch the first half and then wait until the very end. Or maybe wait until the whole season came out and binge it all at once because like whew, that anxiety has been <laughs> tough. But I do it for y'all, and I do it because I enjoy speaking about it. But it's so far, it's amazing. But I am waiting for that shoe to drop because we are at one death so far yep. in this war, and it was a um, death we did not anticipate. No, because I didn't. Okay, I figured. I, again, I knew twice needed to be put down. He is a one man army. He needed down. I just did not think they'd be able to take him out before he had an impact. I which didn't is think great. They'd kill him. Which is I great. I thought your guy was going to do it. I thought they were just going to freeze him. Hmm? 
I just I didn't think they were going to kill him. I like I agree with you. I just never thought I would actually see a hero kill someone in this show that wasn't all for one. Right. That's true. That that's fair. They didn't even kill Overhaul. They didn't like. He just got his arms chopped off. All for one. It's been a but mass that, that murder. wasn't even the hero's doing. That was Shigaraki. Was like, nah, bitch. You can't be taking away people's quirks and using your own. Like, nah, I'm taking that. And All so he disintegrated his arm. Mass murderer for centuries, and he's still alive. Mm-hmm. Like that's why I'm like, okay, if they're not killing him, then they're not going to kill anyone. But like a person we didn't like, obviously needed to be dealt with, but to actually and to see kill Hawks him. be the one who did it. Like yeah. through the chest, that's couldn't have expected that, which is making me think like, oh, there's gonna be some other Yeah. And part of the reason I brought that up is it, it is a death. It is the first death of the war. And while he is like he was a sentimental favorite, like a lot of people mm-hmm. um really identified with him, even though he was a villain. He got off quick. The bodies are gonna start dropping on the hero side too. Like, it's been too much in the hero's favor so far, these four episodes. Like, yes, heroes are taking some damage, taking a couple L's here and there, like minor stuff, getting scrapes, burns, all of that stuff. I mean, Mirko is not looking in the best shape. And oh, I hope she makes it so badly. But regardless, um, like, I, I just know that other shoe is about to drop so hard so hard if not if not this episode fully in episode six like in the coming episode episode five if it doesn't fully happen in episode five it's coming in episode six yeah. that there's the total tide reversal the thing is too that like that theoretically if this wasn't a shonen and the main somehow they're going to win but right. it's not going to be without cost but just look i mean <laughs> the liberation army is stronger than them they have they could just win on attrition like like they just have to outlast them and they'll lose mm-hmm. like they have to like and like the heroes are the ones you're right like they've had a death and like they've had some small stuff but any small stuff impacts the heroes more than the villains because with the heroes still bombarding there's still thousands of people in that basement mm-hmm. like just ready like to explode so that's why i'm just like they gotta knock these people out and obviously, and when they're taking on the mansion, besides Dobby, the other big villains of the league haven't shown up yet. Toga's no. going to go on a omega killing spree. Oh yeah. So uh, now the thing is, now she's going to be more va- motivated because I know we talked about her and Oraka having a face off, but now Toga's going to be more motivated because her you know, guy she actually like was friends with is dead because mm-hmm. of this. So kind of nervous for Oraka when that fight happens. Oh yeah. I know she won't die because she's the main heroine and fate will have her and Midoriya together in the end. But psychologically and physically, there's going to be rough. Yeah. So anything else? No, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast and have been enjoying these four episodes. If you haven't seen them yet, hope you watch them soon. And I hope you continue to listen to this series with us because we enjoyed doing it. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure you like, rate, comment, subscribe, wherever you listen to. My Hero Academia episode 5 comes out October 29th. If you're watching it in English, they are always two episodes behind. Two episodes behind, yes. So you can catch up in English while you're listening to this if you want to. If you don't want to deal with subs, 
but they are coming out sub-weekly, so enjoy it. And with that being said, this is the L7C Podcast signing out. Thank you for listening to this episode of the L7C Podcast. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the channel. Follow us on all social media platforms, and we'll be talking to you guys soon. Take care.